I'm glad to be here tonight. I'm thankful for all of you being here tonight. And I just would like to say to the elders that this is one of the things that I appreciate most about our church is the opportunity for serious study and the opportunity for us as a congregation to get to hear different voices, but also the opportunity just to have more and more men who have gone deeper into Scripture than you might normally have gone. And uh, that's a real, really good thing. And I, I just appreciate that about New Hope. So, hopefully, uh, you'll see some of the benefits that God has shown me and that, that those will be legitimately passed on to you tonight. So, the passage for tonight is First Chronicles chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. We're going to go to several places in Scripture, but that's really where the anchor is going to be. So, go ahead and turn your way to First Chronicles. Not necessarily a book we preach out of very often. All right. So, as we get started, um, this is known as the prayer of Jabez. The prayer for tonight is found in 1 Chronicles 4.10. It's known by the title, the prayer of Jabez. The entirety of what we know about this man Jabez is found in this section, 1 Chronicles 4, 9, and 10. His recorded prayer is 34 or so English words. It would not be surprising if this was the first time you've heard of this person or his prayer. He shows up in the middle of ten chapters of genealogy and there are no remarkable connections to the more memorable characters in Scripture. Maybe what is more remarkable is that there are probably a majority of those here older than 40 who not only know of Jabez and this little prayer but might just have strong feelings about it. And uh, let me explain that to you. And I, I can vouch for this uh, standing in the hallway coming in. Rusty came up and said a few things. Matt Tompkins texted me today and said a few things about the prayer tonight. Uh, we do have strong feelings about this prayer. And for some of you, you're like, what, in the middle of Chronicles? What are we talking about? Who is this guy? Well, I'm going to do something that is rare from this pulpit. <laughs> Ask for a little bit of leniency from the elders. I'm going to quote extensively from Wikipedia, believe it or not. Uh, but I want you to have a real flavor of how the prayer of Jabez book is received in the world at large. And that, that is why we're using Wikipedia. We're taking as an example of the world at large. So, quoting from Wikipedia. <clears throat> the prayer of Jabez, Breaking Through to the Blessed Life, is a book by Bruce Wilkinson, published in 2000 by Multnomah Books, as the first book in the Breakthrough Book series. It is based on the Old Testament passage, 1 Chronicles 4, 9 through 10. In the book, Wilkinson encourages Christians to invoke this prayer for themselves on a daily basis. And here is a quote of Wilkinson. I challenge you to make the Jabez prayer for blessing 
a part of the daily fabric of your life. To do that, I encourage you to follow unwaveringly the plan outlined here for the next 30 days. By the end of that time, you'll be noticing significant changes in your life. And the prayer will be on its way to becoming a treasured lifelong habit. That habit he's referring to is reciting the words of Jabez verbatim for the rest of your life. So that's what we have. Continuing the quote from Wikipedia. The book became an international bestseller, topping the New York Times bestseller list and selling 9 million copies. But an update, according to the Challies website, that's now 10 million. It received the Evangelical Christian Publishers Association Gold Medallion Book of the Year Award in 2001. The popularity of the original book has led its publisher, Multnomah Press, to extend the line to a number of derivative works targeted at niche audiences, as well as to offer the books in audio and video formats. They also authorized a wide array of official Prayer of Jabez merchandise, including keychains, mugs, backpacks, Christmas ornaments, scented candles, mouse pads, and a framed artist's conception of Jabez himself. A line of jewelry was introduced in 2002. Three versions rewritten for children, one each targeted at preschoolers, 8 to 12 year olds, and teens. The Prayer of Jabez Journal. The Prayer of Jabez Devotional. One edition for children and one for adults. The Prayer of Jabez Bible Study. The Prayer of Jabez for Women, written by Wilkinson's wife, Darlene. A musical companion called The Prayer of Jabez Music, a worship experience. And a book by John W. Mount called The Healing of Jabez. So this is, that's the end of the wiki quote. The book is still for sale and available on the Audible app. I looked it up myself on my app. Probably put myself on a list with that. But uh, anyway, on Audible it currently has over 850 reviews and has a 4.9 out of 5 star rating. For perspective, when Challies wrote about it selling more than 10 million copies, he noted that only Four other Christian books had ever sold that many before or since the prayer of Jabez. It had and continues to have a real impact on what people believe about God and prayer. The bottom line of all these statistics is that churchgoers in America are woefully unprepared to discern truth. We are exactly what Paul warned Timothy about in his second letter to that young pastor. Chapter 4 verse 3. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. But having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. And will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. But tonight is not about a book by Wilkinson and it's not even about the controversy that was begun in the Christian community 
when a book by a then-respected Bible teacher so boldly taught a method to manipulate God into giving you material blessings. Tonight is about what Scripture really teaches about praying by studying a prayer that is really included in Scripture. Let us pray. Father, we come before you knowing that there is much to learn here and that this prayer is actually included in your eternal word. We do pray for understanding. I pray that you would make my words clear and that your spirit would teach and that we would understand the true reason this mention of Jabez in the middle of Chronicles is there. Lord, we do ask you to bless us. We ask you to bless us with your blessings and to be with us. I pray that you would watch over those who are not here tonight. We know that there are several who are either ill or, or, or gone. And Lord, be with them. We do know that there is prayer for healing and we do pray for healing. <clears throat> and most of all, Lord, ask that you would be here with us and guide us that we would know you in spirit and truth. Pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. All right, I've already asked you to turn to 1 Chronicles 4, 9 through 10. So let's read this passage for ourselves, and I'll be reading out of the ESV. Jabez was more honorable than his brothers, and his mother called his name Jabez, saying, Because I bore him in pain. Jabez called upon the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my border. And that your hand might be with me and that you would keep me from harm so that it might not bring me pain. And God granted what he asked. So in this passage in Chronicles, we have a very distinctive break in the pattern of the genealogy. Jabez is introduced but not connected directly to the names listed in the previous verses. The chronicler records that he was more honorable than his brothers and that his mother thought he had earned the name Jabez. When we see, then we see in verse 10 that Jabez called upon the God of Israel. Before we get to the prayer itself, I want to point out something that's easy to overlook. Notice how Jabez is identified. First, he's more honorable than his brothers. In other words, there is something godly and righteous about this man born into the tribe of Judah. Now, it's not unusual for a particular name to be given a further description by the chronicler. But generally, that extra identification is something like, he fathered only daughters, or he defeated the Midianites in Moab. Characters with longer stories elsewhere are sometimes noted, like Achan, but Jabez stands alone in being described as honorable. Added to this is the statement that he called upon the name of the Lord, or the name of God of Israel. <clears throat> this is actually a rare statement in Scripture, and it's most often associated with Abraham himself, or Samuel, or David. Here are some of the times the phrase is used in the Old Testament. 
Genesis 12.8, speaking of Abraham, from there he moved to the hill country on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent, with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. Also Genesis 13.4, Abram journeyed to the place where he had made an altar at the first, and there Abram called upon the name of the Lord. Genesis 26.25, and this is Isaac shortly after Abraham's death. So he built an, built an altar there and called upon the name of the Lord and pitched his tent there, and there Isaac's servants dug a well. And then going into 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel 12.18, So Samuel called upon the Lord, and the Lord sent thunder and rain that day, and all the people greatly feared the Lord and Samuel. 2 Samuel 22.7, David writes, In my distress I called upon the Lord, to my God I called. From his temple he heard my voice. And my cry came to his ears. And then we skip forward to Psalm. Psalm 99, 6. Moses and Aaron were among his priests. Samuel also was among those who called upon his name. They called to the Lord and he answered them. Do you see the similarity? This changes things just a little bit. Now we have Jabez the son of pain calling upon the God of Israel. I realized when I studied this phrase that my own thinking had been colored by Wilkinson's book. I had come to believe that Jabez himself was praying to have his best life now, so to speak. That his was a prayer for more land and more success. But I don't believe that now. The man was called honorable in scripture. He was calling upon the God of Israel. His prayer was recorded as something God wanted us to know for all eternity. And finally, God answered his request. Think about that. The first petition. Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my border. In the New King James, it is, Oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory. I give you the two different translations because I think it's helpful to consider the first clause alone as the KJV and its branch of English translations make clear by having the word indeed breaking the flow between the blessing and the increase in territory. Oh, that you would bless me indeed. Jabez is acknowledging that there is only one blessing giver. He will not be blessed unless it is God doing the blessing. Jabez is showing his dependence upon the Lord God of Israel. He's asking to be blessed. And of course that can be selfish. But we must remember that we have already been told that Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. True blessing is something only God can confer and Jabez values God's blessing. I wonder 
if we have so often watched false teachers corrupting the concept of prayer for God's blessing that we are reluctant to ask our Heavenly Father for His blessing. Doesn't a young woman want her father's blessing on her engagement? Would it be wrong for the young man to seek the blessing of that father directly by going to him? Of course not. We're shocked if he doesn't ask. (coughs) We're shocked if he doesn't ask. So, are we so blind to how much we need God in every moment that we believe asking for His blessings is somehow arrogant. Consider the arrogance of not asking for God's blessing. If it is a presumption for a young man to ask for a woman's hand without her father's blessing, then imagine a Christian believing he can be a useful servant of the king without asking for the tools necessary to serve. We need to view this request for blessing as an honorable request because we are told Jabez is an honorable man. It is not the same cry that Esau utters in Genesis 27:38, which reads, Esau said to his father, Have you but one blessing, my father? Bless me, even me also, O oh my father. And Esau lifted up his voice and wept. It's not like that. It's useful to look quickly at another prayer in 1 Chronicles where the Lord is acknowledged as the giver of everything. And I didn't give the sound guys a stack of slides, but uh, turn over to 1 Chronicles 29, 11 through 13. 1 Chronicles 29, 11 through 13. So this is David praying to the Lord as he and the people gave to the building of the temple. Now there is a difference here because the blessings have already been poured out by God on his people and they are in response acknowledging his goodness to them. So the situation is different than Jabez's prayer but look at what David credits God with in these verses. So this is a prayer of the blessings of God. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. For all that is in the heavens and in the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come from you. And you rule over all. In your hand are power and might. And in your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. And now we thank you, our God, and praise your glorious name. Do we see ourselves as needy and helpless and dependent on the Lord? Were we ever taught to pray for things so basic as our daily bread from the Lord? Jabez seems to have understood his utter weakness and sought God's blessing. Again, looking at our passage, Jabez wasn't just asking, bless me 
in general. Jabez prays, enlarge my border and that your hand might be with me and that you would keep me from harm so that it might not bring me pain. Frankly, it, it's bothersome to me that he seems to refer to himself five times in ways that could be seen as selfish. I just confess that to you. I don't like that. But what is scripture saying? Bless me, enlarge my border, be with me, keep me from harm, and don't bring me pain. He's definitely bringing his circumstances before the Lord. How should we view this one-sided focus? In his book, Bruce Wilkinson promotes this as, and this is his quote, the little prayer with a giant prize. Wilkinson clearly sees the prayer as a device to produce greater results in our personal life. Is this how God wants us to pray? I think the conflict between our glory and God's glory is evident. Fortunately, we have many clear passages of Scripture to help us understand this verse. So let's look at it more closely. Number one, we simply don't have enough of the text of Scripture to determine what border Jabez was concerned with. Was it just his influence in general, or his grazing rights, or the tribal lands of Judah? In whatever the circumstance, Jabez is asking with some specific idea of increase from the hand of the Lord. This prayer was also granted. We're told that directly. Just a few weeks ago, Phil Cook taught from Mark 11:23 about prayer that moves mountains. Here, we're just looking at enlarging borders. However, like the teaching of Jesus with fig trees and mountains, this prayer may look out of character because we think of self-serving prayers and blessings. We actually need to be looking at God's will in our prayers. Jabez is praying in faith to the God of Israel. And he's praying with a purpose and he is wholly dependent upon God for the result. It is actually a prayer in faith like we are instructed to pray. James chapter 1 verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach. And it will be given him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. But, you might object, Jabez didn't ask for wisdom. He asked for bigger borders. I agree. But is that really different from asking for our daily bread? What does it mean to have bigger borders? Is bread and wisdom all that we are to ask from from God, ask for from God? We read in James 5:17, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. I argue 
that Jabez did not pray a sinful, selfish prayer. Compare what we see in James 4 and remember that Scripture clearly tells us that God granted what Jabez asked for. James 4, 2 and following. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. You adulterous people. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. There are no little prayers with giant prizes hiding in the pages of Scripture. But there are prayers in faith to the one true living God. It's useful to remember that God refers to himself as our father and we are his children. Like children, we need everything. He is the giver of all good things. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He's the creator of life. He comes with healing in his wings. We are repeatedly instructed to ask. Not just in James 4. Consider Luke 11, 9 through 13. And I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds and to the one who knocks it will be opened. What father among you if his son asks for a fish will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg will give him a scorpion? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children how much more will the heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? However, children can ask sinfully as well. Consider the parable of the lost or prodigal son. He asked for his inheritance while his father yet lived. That's not a relationship. That's a bank account. My concern as I look at my own life is that I seem to have become so cautious about selfishly asking for blessings that I've quit asking for any blessings. Listen to this story. Two workers were employed with a lawn sprinkler company. Their job was fixing broken lawn sprinkler systems. They were each given a shovel and PVC pipe and glue. The first man went back to the boss and he said he would be much more effective if he was using a Caterpillar 930 tracked excavator with a 1.8 cubic yard bucket and a 16 foot reach. He glowingly described how much more he would be able to get done every day if he had such a prize. The boss said no and handed him a shovel. The other guy, seeing this interaction, realized how foolish it is to always be unsatisfied with what is given. He uses his shovel and eventually the blade wears down to the size of a garden trowel. And the splintered handle has more duct tape than wood. He remembers his commitment to not be dissatisfied and quietly congratulates himself on being the best worker in the company. Imagine his surprise when the boss calls him into the office and demands to know why it is taking him three times longer to fix broken pipes than anyone else ever. 
When the boss finds out that the shovel is worn down to the handle and he has never asked for a replacement, the boss calls him a foolish worker and puts him on notice. We are not just children. We are workers in the kingdom of God. Ephesians 2.10 For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Think of God's blessings as his tools for the job he has assigned. They really aren't yours to keep. They're yours to use to do the work that he has assigned. Finally, I want to look at the request for no pain. This begs to be understood because the man's name is Jabez. And in Hebrew, that sounds like the word for pain. His mother bore him in pain and the prayer ends in asking that it might not bring pain. And God granted his request. Many in this congregation have asked to be free of pain. Even our Lord Jesus asked that the cup of suffering be taken from him in the garden. Jesus followed this request with, Nevertheless, Not my will, but yours be done. Consider for a moment how much of our energy is devoted to reducing pain. There is physical pain that we want to minimize with pills, diets, exercise, and other therapy. There is emotional pain that sometimes seems like a bottomless pit. And there is spiritual pain as we wait upon the Lord. Romans 8.22 deals with some of this. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. So, is it really that unusual that Jabez prays To be relieved of pain. We see the same thing in James 5.13. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. We have a Savior who knows our pain and has been through our suffering. Do not forget that Christ didn't shrug off his pain on the cross like it was a small thing. His physical body actually succumbed to the torture And he died. God didn't rescue Job from the pain until Job understood more of who God is. Paul prayed to be relieved of a thorn in his flesh in 2 Corinthians 12, 8-10. Here's the quote. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So we see Jabez... Praying to avoid more pain. This is encouraging because God answered this prayer. 
if we look at Job or Paul as examples, then it begins to seem like God wants us to always suffer in order to gain spiritual strength. Frankly, that is a key part of being Christ-like. Philippians 3.10 That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. There's not a promise anywhere of a pain-free life. But sin brought brokenness and pain and death into this fallen world. But Christ has defeated death and we look forward to the ultimate relief from all pain. However, this planet isn't a hopeless dungeon of earthly pain until the bright light of eternity dawns. The examples in scripture are of believers who trust God in their pain and pray to God to relieve their pain and grow closer to God through their pain. Jesus referred to the lame walking and the blind seeing as a mark of his identity. We are not weak if we are going to God in prayer that he might remove a thorn in the flesh. Do not be discouraged. God does in fact answer that kind of prayer. And as in the case of Paul, that answer might be that his grace is sufficient for you. And it is. But in the case of Jabez, it seems like the answer was that the man who was named Pain was kept from pain. I have discovered that there is a great reward from studying the prayer of Jabez. We can seek God's blessing without hesitation because he is a good father. We can ask him to give us what we need. It is his glory to answer prayer. We can have hope that pain is not permanent or purposeless. Our God is the great physician. In prayer, we can come to him in all the true weakness of our fears and pain, trusting him and knowing that he is a God who answers prayer. Amen.